All right. Thank you very much for coming. Really appreciate it. How many appreciate the worship team? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. I say, like, anyone who's really critical of people standing up publicly and ministering, just let them do it for a week. Either they'll send the counseling or they won't be as critical. Uh, but really appreciate you coming tonight. I, I really believe that this is a, a strategic gathering for what God is doing in this region, and uh, or else I wouldn't be here. And uh, I want to let you know uh, about our resource table back there. Beginning of the year, uh, we started with two nights in Raleigh, North Carolina. We called it 220 Encounter. I share some of what the Lord's given me for 220 and beyond. So that's the two-night recording from that. Uh, it was a lot, so I didn't even get through uh, <laughs> a lot of it, but some of it's on there. And uh, so you can grab that audio teaching back there. And then also, I just want to mention that if you feel connected with what God's doing in our ministry, we really encourage you to prayerfully consider partnering with us in what God has called us to do. Uh, partners are the backbone of what uh, we're called to do, and I take partnership really seriously. Uh, Proverbs says, a wise man walks with wise men. And uh, I, I believe it, uh, a partnership goes both ways. Not only do people sow financially and pray, but also the grace on my life and the anointing, the authority, it gets added to yours as you come into agreement with what we're doing. And uh, I, I just think it's a beautiful thing how God sets up kingdom economy and all that wonderful stuff. So really prayerfully uh, tell you to consider that. And then um, if you haven't uh, read my first book, um, you can get up with the times and read my book. <laughs> it came out five years ago, but it's, a, I believe, a partial prophetic picture of what the Lord wants to do in cities, regions, and nations. God is after a people who see like him correctly. And also really excited because uh, about a month and a half, my next book comes out. So excited about all that stuff. So, all right. Did you come for the word tonight? Yes. I hope you did because I feel like he's got a lot to say. So <laughs> I'm really hoping you did. <laughs> so, uh, hey, welcome, guys. You look like Elevate people. Yeah, it's cool. You don't have to wear a mask if you don't want to. You can wear it in. You can leave unmasked. So I'm not against masks. I'm against you wearing a mask if you don't want to wear one, though. So I'm not pro or negative. So I do. I have, I have scientist friends. Some of them are like, it really works. Others, I'm like, it's crazy. So I don't know. You know, all the experts, especially in the body of Christ on social media, tell us. <laughs> You know, what's right, what's wrong. So um, I'm going to leave that to myself, what I'm thinking right there. <laughs> but why don't you lift your hands to sign a surrender. Lord, I just thank you for tonight. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for what you want to do. And Lord, I, I just recognize my dependence on you. We recognize our dependence on you. Truly, without you, we can't do anything. We've tried it, and it's really pitiful. <laughs> just really is, God. And forgive us for ever thinking that was intelligent. Yeah. 
And um, Lord, thank you that in this season, you're delivering us from all self-reliance. And Lord, thank you for reset across the earth. And Lord, we just pray according to scripture that you said, first of all, pray for all those in authority. So we pray for our president tonight. Lord, we thank you for his life. And Lord, we thank you that he is a, a general in the earth. And um, like us, Lord, he's a weak man trying to do the best he knows how. So we release protection. We declare that no evil terrorist plot will be formed against him. We declare that every evil lie that's tried to give him ungodly advice would be just stopped. And I declare that he would speak for you in the coming days, that he would literally be a spokesperson and that you'll use his words, Lord, to bring a restoration to this nation. And Lord, I thank you that even right now there's confusion going into the enemy's camp, that um, evil strategies to speak slander and lies and deceit would just be uh, broken up. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, uh, that certain ideas that they think will be prosperous will just be blown up, God. Because your people are standing in the gap and you've told me our prayers will not be denied. So we release the blessing of the Lord over him and protection over him. We pray for our vice president and we thank you for his life. Lord, I, I ask, as I always do, Lord, that you bring his children to even greater relationship with you. I don't even know where they're at, Lord, but I just always sense that uh, you asked me to pray for him. Pray for the Speaker of the House, Lord, and um, open the eyes of her understanding to see you, to know you. Lord, I also just uh, break the power of curses that believers have spoken over her. She's a witch, she's this, she's that. And Lord, she might be manifesting those characteristics, but that's not who she's called to be. But I do ask evil coming from her mouth would just be silenced and of no effect. And I ask that um, we just release household salvation for her. Pray for the governor of this state, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would just remove, remove that deaf and dumb spirit that's tried to stop the word of the Lord coming to him. Let true words come from him. I pray that um, blind ambition would be exposed in the name of the purpose you've brought him to the office, Lord. And I release a peace over this land. I declare that uh, every anti-Christ spirit and lawlessness, and principality, and, and leader that would align themselves with that would just um, come to naught, Lord. And I pray that in the coming days that you would give us strategies on how to pray. Strategies on how to pray. To dismantle that which the enemy has entrenched himself in this nation. And we do thank you, Lord, that uh, there will be an ending to the shedding of innocent blood in this nation. It will happen in our lifetime. We believe that. Because you're a God of justice and righteousness. And we ask for that. 
not in our own human sense, but we ask for true godly justice. Lord, I just declare in Jesus' name that the hammer of justice is coming down on every abortion provider, every doctor, every lie they've believed, God. I do ask, Lord, that every dollar being made off that would be bankrupt, and that the lines, the lines, the millions of dollars being made from evil, we just, we break that economic line, the evilness of that, body parts and things being sold for things that you never ordained to happen on the earth, God. I ask that you would reverse that curse. And Lord, forgive us, the body of Christ, for being complacent in those areas, for not even caring about it. And thank you, Lord, that uh, you are raising up people in the body of Christ to adopt, to foster, to open their homes. Lord, even really older people. Lord, thank you because you've given me the anointing to do that because my parents are still doing that. So Lord, I ask that 60 and 70-year-old people say, we can do this because God's called us to do it. And we thank you for the generation being born right now. They're Daniels, they're Josephs, and they'll learn the ways of the kingdom to live in Babylon. And we thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name. All right. I was going to start somewhere else, and I'm going to go somewhere else. That's how it rolls, huh? I want to start tonight talking to you about um, spirit of revelation, probably for the last, uh, probably, well, at least five, six years. The Lord keeps telling me that this is going to be a season of unprecedented revelation for the body of Christ. Now, when we talk about revelation, we'll define it a little more in just a few moments, but revelation obviously never goes beyond the word, but What's really interesting is something can be true, but unless it's revealed to you and you grab it by faith, it will be um, it will be inoperative in your life, and it will be available to bring you deliverance, but you will be unable to receive the deliverance it wants to bring you. And uh, to know about revelation, you have to look at the nature of God because God made us like Him, and. I like, I like God because he's like beyond genius level. And he is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. And before he ever starts something, he already finishes it. So he's already gone to the end of your life. And he's already seen the end of your life. He's already seen every mistake you would make, every really bad decision you would make. And he made provision for all of it. That's really good news. He still chose you, you know. And also the really good part about that is that he is, he loves how he made you. He loves your personality. He loves the things that you like. 
and he loves the things that you're drawn to. It's really important because there's a reason we're not all drawn to the same thing. And I find that often one of the marks of a, a very dangerous mark of a religious spirit is it pushes people into conformity and pushes everyone to be the same. And we have really bad adjectives like that person's strange or weird. No, they're just actually different than you. And uh, we often, uh, and it's not for bad motives, but we, we push people in the same direction and we push uh, we, we mark spirituality by false things. And oftentimes, God wants to merge often what we have thought is unspiritual and make it spiritual because God wants to put his hand on it and point people to him. And um, I wasn't planning on saying all that. But God creates everything perfect and gives provision for everything he makes. God is a spirit who operates by revelation. And God is a resource house within himself. I like that. Like that which he decides to create, it's inside of him. In him was the light, and the light was the light of men. Where did it come from? It came from God. He wants fish, so he goes, I got fish inside of me, so I'm going to create fish through faith. <laughs> it's pretty brilliant. He is the source of his own creation, and God creates by faith, and God gives to man the same vehicle by which he creates. The unseen God is creating what can be seen through the natural eye. That which, God, that which cannot be seen is governed by what cannot be seen. That's a life principle right there. That's a million-dollar biblical truth, that everything you see has been created by something you cannot see. This building was created by an idea and a concept before it ever was created and put here had to be put on paper, had to be put in an architect's mind. I have a, a really dear friend up in Massachusetts. He, he's got this wonderful uh, church. And he told me, he said, a good architect will always know where everything's going to be before, before the, that first thing is built. It's a natural picture of how God builds. He said, I would never hire an architect who can't tell you where something's going to be. That which cannot be seen is governed by what cannot be seen. God creates by releasing what is on the inside of him to become what is on the outside of him. That's good stuff right there. I like that. So it's like, I like light. Boom, light! <laughs> Comes right from the inside of him. There's a reason I'm emphasizing that because you'll see that God has created us to actually operate like him. Colossians 1, verse 16 and 17. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth. For by him, all things were created. For by him, all things were created. Some of you are thinking I was going to be biblical. It's in the Bible. Visible and unvisible. Visible and unvisible. So he tells us there's an invisible realm. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. I like that. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. God has no limitation except that which, is he, except that which he chooses to define himself by. Keep that in mind. God has no limitation except that which he chooses to divine himself by. 
It's important because you'll see he actually is so committed to the things that he says that once he gives man ownership of the earth, he cannot take that word back. He's so committed to that principle that he's put into place that he won't violate it. God never makes mistakes and he is bound to his word. So here's something really interesting, that God speaks. Uh, uh, creates by speaking. He calls it faith later in Matthew 11. And he creates things to be in certain environments and to be connected to their source, right? If he creates a fish, he can't take that fish out of the water else it what? Okay, good, good. We got the right here. It's third row here. They're, they're tracking with me. <laughs> can't take plants out of dirt, right? Unless they're in the desert because they need to grow in the nutrients of that. And when he creates man, what does he do? He speaks to himself. And when he speaks to himself, he creates what man should always be connected to in his source in God. Disconnect man from God. They're disconnected from their source. That's why he tells them, if you disobey, if you do this, you're going to die. You're going to be disconnected with me in the way I want to connect with you. So Genesis 1, if you hang around with me, we'll probably always start there. Genesis 1, then God said, let us make man in our image. Really important there. So we see how God functions or, or some of the characteristics of how God functions. And then he said, let us make man in our image. Image is likeness, resemblance, patterned after. Man has not been created to be a little God, but he is supposed to be the closest thing to God upon the earth. Uh, the way the Lord illustrated this to me years ago was I don't have a lot of uh, things from my dad's childhood because he grew up in, in a communist nation and he came here in 1969. And uh, so he sent me an email probably, oh, 10, 12 years ago. And it's a picture of him and the farm he grew up in in Cuba. And when I looked at the picture... I didn't, there were like 12 kids because he grew up with his cousins and brothers and sisters and things like this. And uh, I didn't have to ask him which one was him. I knew. Why? Because I looked exactly like that at four years old. Not my dad, but I looked like my dad. You're not a God, but when you're connected to God and operating correctly, you're supposed to look like God. You're supposed to be memorable. According to our likeness, let them, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female, and he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to it shall be food for you. Excuse me. And also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every herb of food, and it was so. Uh, I want to point out here, there's a bunch of things we could point out, but I want to focus on, on a few th just one specific thing here. And it's this. The first words that humanity hears is the blessing of the Lord. 
Blessing is goodness, favor, prosperity, approval, goodwill. God, when he creates man, basically puts on him, he goes, I release all my goodness on you to do the work that I've called you to do in the earth. And that blessing, you'll see, throughout covenant, when, when he, he institutes covenant with Abraham, Abram, what does he do? He blesses him. Noah, blessing. Because he is trying to get over to man that I'm all about blessing. I'm all about you living in goodness. I'm all about living you, you, uh, you living in fruitfulness. And I have goodwill towards you. And so the first voice he hears is the voice of God. And the voice of God was supposed to govern man. You'll also notice, too, this is really important for us as believers today. And in these verses, these are defining verses that define how man is going to relate to God and how God will relate to humanity. And you'll see in these verses that nowhere in there is God setting up a religion. He's setting up a kingdom to look like heaven, the, the colony that he's de de desiring. And man hears the voice of God, and man was created to receive knowledge from two different sources. Obviously, sensory knowledge is that which is perceived through the senses, sight, hearing, touch, smell. Through sensory knowledge, Adam saw that the grass was green, the ocean was blue, and Eve was a fine-looking woman. He smelled the flowers. He felt the earth be beneath his toes. He tasted the sweetness of the fruit God gave him. He heard the, the birds in the trees. So all these things are not, not wrong things. There's, there's actually nothing wrong with your body. I just say that because sometimes I be like, my flesh is in the way, like <laughs> my dirty, nasty flesh. Like, no, it's not dirty and nasty. God gave it to you. <laughs> I sort of understand what people are saying, but not really. <laughs> but... And the reason I say that, because some people believe like there's like this internal struggle between their body and what God wants to do. No, your body will only, will only do what it's been trained to do by its belief system. That's why he gives you a new mind and the mind of Christ to be retrained to operate like God. And if you're still drawn to crazy stuff, the good news is your born again spirit is exactly like Jesus and he is after giving you the complete freedom that Jesus had when he walked on the earth as a beloved disciple. Second thing is here is that Adam is also to be governed by sensory knowledge, revelation knowledge. They are to define how Adam thinks and how Adam operates in the earth. Revelation knowledge is defined as this, revealed and disclosure of truth by God himself. God reveals himself to humanity so that they can recognize their need for him. So that's the base level of why he reveals himself to people. Hey, Adam, created this pretty great earth. It's awesome. It's actually perfect. And you're in charge of it. God, I need you. I know. <laughs> Don't ever disconnect from me. I got everything taken care of. Second reason God reveals himself to humanity is so they could act like him. 
Adam cannot discover why he came to earth except through the voice of God that comes through revelation knowledge. This is the key distinction between what's taking place right now in the world. The world system, Babylonian system, completely governed. What is Babylonian system is really simple. It's just man's way of trying to make it in his world without God. And it's meant to put unrelenting pressure on you that you were never created to handle. I, th- I don't know what it, the statistics are exactly, but I know probably uh, this generation is the most medicated generation ever. Yeah. Yeah. They got a drug for everything. I'm not against drugs either. I'm not. I'm against the dependence on drugs that would take the place of what God wanted to give you. But it's created to put unrelenting pressure on you. Uh, uh, probably like three or four years ago, I was in Puerto Rico. I don't do this a whole lot, but I had like a night off, and I just turned on TV, and I ended up watching this um, reality television show. And this, they're following this young guy's really good realtor, and I like real estate stuff, so I started watching it. And he's getting married. And the, the gal he's married is like, they have this scene I don't know if it was set up, but I said, oh, this is really interesting. He's really successful in New York City. And he goes, she, she's like, she's wanting help with the wedding preparations. And he goes, you don't understand. I got like 13 employees and they demand on my performance to get things done. Babylonian system. Yeah. He's trying to meet his own needs. He feels the pressure. I have to take care of these nine employees or whatever. And so the system is built to put unrelenting pressure on you, even when you're quote unquote successful. It's meant to wear you out. It's meant to tire you. It's meant to open doors to you. So you could, man was never created to take care of himself. So we're created to be governed by this revealed knowledge where Adam discovers who he is, what his purpose, and what God speaks to him qualifies him to do what God told him to do in the earth. Humanity and the earth cannot become what God designed us to become without revelation. Revelation knowledge was to define how humanity was supposed to live in the earth. Look at Genesis 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to tend it, to keep it. And the Lord God commanded him, saying, Of the tree of the garden you you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you will surely die. So what does he do? He tells him what he's created to do, and then he also gives him boundaries by speaking to him. He's revealing knowledge. He can't discover by looking at that tree and going, oh, I'm not supposed to eat that. Every time he hears that voice, that voice is defining his belief system. You see that uh, the pattern got established. How is he able to name those animals? Because God tells him He actually instructs him. He said, you're supposed to be a steward of the earth. And now the difference between God and Adam is that God defines the words by which Adam is governed. Now Adam speaks as God in the earth and as his ambassador in the earth from an unseen realm. What is on the inside of Adam is released through words and those words create realities and it becomes the world that God created him to live in. So God creates us to live by this revelation. 
this revealed knowledge that we would trust it. Revelation was the foundation for humanity's faith in God. Keep that in mind. Revelation was the foundation for humanity's faith in God. You can't have faith for something or you can't have trust for something that has not been revealed to you. Revelation sets the boundaries for your faith. That's why the enemy will continually fight certain truths being taught to people because if they don't hear it, they can't have trust in it. Luther said, one of the things he's famous quoters for saying, he said, I became very dangerous when they let me read the Bible. Like, if you think, like, the body of Christ has some challenges today, it was really, like, I've heard people, it's, like, it's really bad right now. The body needs to get it together. I, you know, I'm not saying we don't have some challenges, but it's really bad when they don't let the, the, the leaders read the Bible. Yes, <laughs> you'd, go to a, you'd go to a service, the mass, and, and the priest wouldn't even look at you. It's true. They'd look that way. And it was all in Latin. You know, a big thing. Uh, was when they actually started doing the mass in your local language. Yeah. Like, we can't let them read the Bible. Then they'll discover we're keeping them dumb, you know. <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely true. So revelation was the foundation for humanity's trust in God. Our trust in God was created to be the foundation of our belief system. Our belief system is to define our world. What you believe right now is defining the world that you live in. Amen. And often there is a lag between what you know to be true and what has manifested to be true. And so what the enemy loves to do, because he lives, he just lives in the sensory world. He, he will go, it's not working, you know, like, just give up. You know, you've been praying for that person for like eight years, and they still hate God. All these things that he will try and define you by. But what you need to realize is the moment you believe something and began to say it, it set that thing into motion. There's a reason the prophets, the prophets prophesied for thousands of years before Jesus came. And they nail the exact location because the words were moving in the unseen realm. And what I find is in that, in that waiting that often God is trying to change you to be a good steward of when you step into that promise. At least me. It is only in faith and revelation that God releases us that we live as God designed. It is only through faith in the revelation that God releases to us that we live as God designed. We're created, live, we're created, uh, we're created to live by faith in his word, obviously scripture and his voice. So we know man kind of has a little mistake there, Genesis 3. You also notice that, I won't read it tonight, but that when man falls, the challenge there is, the, the, the greatest challenge right there that the enemy challenges with is that he challenges God as man's source. He said, did God say? 
most of the things that the enemy will really challenge you with is, is that still core lie. It could be manifested about 10 different ways, but it always go back to, can you really trust God to do that? But here's the good news. When you got born again, you got the ability to see again. God made us born again. Simply put, when he says born again, he says, come back to the top and see from my perspective. John chapter 3, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, literally born from above, and notice he says he cannot see the kingdom of God. So revelation is God's gift to us to cause us to see. A characteristic of born-again believers is that we're supposed to actually see the world through God's lens. And as we see the world through God's lens, we operate in the sphere of authority that he's called us to. That's why it's really important to be positioned in the right place. A lot of people are really mispositioned right now. You, know, you got people on the mission field who are supposed to be in Wall Street. You got people in, you know, leading churches that should be leading governments. And so it's kind of all just need to realign with stuff. And then what's even worse is he gets people to get angry with each other in places God has called them to be together. You know? It's really bad with Americans because they think God cares what they think. <laughs> God calls them to a place, to a local body, and then, you know, the pastor says something they don't like on Sunday, or they get offended with Joanne in the coffee booth, and, you know. And I've just learned that whenever we get offended, it's, it's an opportunity to, to readjust. Yeah. Hosea 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's revelation knowledge there. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests. This is the importance of how important is revelation. The word knowledge there is experience, personal relationship, understanding. Also with knowledge there is wisdom, perception, skill, discernment, and understanding. That's what knowledge gives you. You know, uh, when I went to college, uh, I did not go on an academic scholarship. I went on a, a, a partial wrestling scholarship. About a month into uh, being at college, I literally, my whole life changed. And uh, actually, I was revisiting certain things that happened last night in this experience I had with the Lord. And... As I began to walk with the Lord and get into the Word of God, listen to the Word of God, I noticed, um, first of all, I used to forget everything about certain, like I'd forget where I put my keys, I'd forget where I was sometimes, and I noticed that left immediately. I have, um, and I know this is God-given, I, I remember... Lots of things. 
I remember seven years ago what my honorarium was at a certain church. That might be good or bad. <laughs> I remember, I, one thing I don't remember well sometimes is names, but I remember people in churches. I remember leadership. I remember specific things that happen. And as I've looked back on it, I know it was the word of God putting wisdom on the inside of me. I, at the end of graduating, I had people asking me for um, help. They were there on full academic scholarships. And it was because God gave me this wisdom to know how to go to school. I was astounded sometimes when I'd sit down and write a paper and have no way of doing it. I just, Lord, I just trust you. And the wisdom of God would just come. Graduated with college with honors, got a master's degree. And I just know all of this was God-given wisdom. Most people thought there was something like wrong with me when I was in high school. Probably was, but <laughs> I don't deny that's true. But the word of God will make you smart. There's a very wealthy man, known. And one of the things he practices is every day he reads Proverbs. He reads the Proverbs. It's one of the number one things he does. He just reads Proverbs, and he credits him with the wisdom he has. There's another man I, I knew of. Literally, he was an investor, and um, people would come to him, you know, present their business plans, and he'd say, thank you very much, and he'd go usually for a day and just pray in the Spirit, God, what do you want me to do? And he said lots of times the ones that, I really thought like, oh, this is amazing. God would go, no. And the ones that I thought were the worst business plans, God would go invest in those and it would bring me the greatest returns. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelations that he amplified, revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he and blessed is he who keeps the law. Some translations, obviously, where there is no revelation, that is oracle, prophecy, divine communication, revelation again. Where there is no revelation of God, the people of God perish. This is how important revelation is. John 16, 13. However, when the spirit of truth has come on you, he will guide you, what? Into all truth, not some truth. So if you ever want understanding on something, just ask God. I know it sounds really simple, but... Like, I, some, I get very curious about certain things, about how certain things work. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, how does a plane work? I just get fascinated with a plane. I'll start reading books on planes, and I'll go, God, how does this all work? But if you'll notice, too, you'll notice that planes, cars, houses, internet were not here when Adam was put here. Someone had to create them to make life at least I think it's better. I don't, I don't want to go camping anytime soon. <laughs> All these things were in the unseen realm. You want to, you want to see an example of, uh, of even uh, Luther, uh, excuse me, Calvin called it common grace, that there's a grace on all men to create and to profit the world. Uh, Steve Jobs actually create something that most people uh, thought there was no market for. 
I remember uh, when he was talking about this idea of an I said, why would I have an iPad? I have, a, I have a laptop. Now I use my iPad for everything. He sees something that can be of great benefit to people, and he actually creates the market for it. And he was obsessed with excellence. He had a lot of other issues, but he got some things right. Yeah, I, I was reading years ago his, uh, his story, and uh, it said like the first iPhone that came out, first of all, they told him it could never be done. They also told him iTunes could never be done. <laughs> There's a lot of things people tell you you can't do. If God told you you can do it, you can do it. But they're about to release the first iPhone probably millions of dollars easily invested in it. And uh, I think it's the button that I still have on mine as I bought the last one because I like the button. I don't like change. But he said, there's, there's, we got to fix this button or something. They're like, what are you talking about? We're going to production in like a month. And he put, it, put off production like another eight months because he was obsessed with the button. And they said when the phone came out, that was like one of the most popular features, how that button functioned. Obviously, he became a very wealthy man, was a wealthy man. But his focus was not on building wealth. His focus was on building amazing products, and he got wealth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Catch this. And he will tell you things to come. He will give you revelation of the future. So one of the, one of the uh, benefits of walking with the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of walking with the Holy Spirit is he tells you things to come. He tells you things to come because he's to, you're supposed to partner with him to create the future he saw before the foundation of the world, to live by revelation, but also to t- teach you how to position yourself for where God has taken you. We're not supposed to live in this world arbitrarily. We're not just supposed to go through the motions on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't mean we have it all figured out. I'm still trying to like figure out things six years ago. When I mean figure out, I'm not necessarily trying to figure out. I'm trying to walk it out and learn what my responsibility is. But it doesn't mean you got it figured out. But it means that you're on this trajectory where you know you're in this cadence and rhythm that God has called you to do. And it's completely illogical sometimes. So God causes people to live a lifestyle of revelation. What's really important is to understand here, to live a lifestyle of revelation, you got to understand what the human heart is. If you, if you look at Scripture, when uh, it references heart 814 times, it's not talking about a physical heart. It's actually talking about an internal reality. The heart represents the idea of will, human choice, and conscience in Scripture. 1 Samuel 24, uh, 5, 2 Samuel 24, 10, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. It also represents the act of the will and the act of determining. 
Since the heart is the center of decisions, it's where people receive God's word, where conversion takes place, and where understanding. The heart functions as the source of thought, reflections, and highlights intellectual capacities. To hold a truth in one's heart is to understand it fully, and we'll develop that a little more, in a way that will impact one's life. Conversely, when people do not take something to heart, they fail to understand it in a manner that actually makes a difference in their life. The heart provides wisdom to rule justly, 1 Kings 3, verse 12, uh, and 1 Kings 10, verse 24, if you're taking notes. And it, and it discerns both good and evil. We'll look at this also in a minute. In Luke's story of the birth of Jesus, Mary treasures all things that are happening in her heart. In Acts 2.37, that what are they? They're cut to the heart. The matter of the heart is a spiritual matter, not a physical matter. In Jesus' parable, we'll also look at this in a minute. In Jesus' parable, the sow of the word, the, God sows the word into the human heart. Ephesians 3 verse 17 speaks of Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. So how we govern our heart as believers is what defines our behavior. Our behavior is what defines our, what we will produce in the earth. And what is on the inside of our heart, our belief system, is what defines you. There's a thought that's been ringing around me probably in the last two years, and it's this. It's what's on the inside of you that defines you. And so, so many believers, unfortunately, are caught in this, not necessarily caught, but they live in this lifestyle of constant reaction to everything that happens on the outside. Oh, you know, this person's upset at me, or, you know, they were mad at they're mean to me at work today. Oh man, there's a financial And everything is ruled by what's happening on the outside of you. Solomon, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Notice he connects thinking with your heart, Proverbs 23, 7. Then it gets really, really good because you will find in Jesus' teaching to his disciples, he was constantly focusing on belief systems. Matthew 4, 17, first thing he says, first words. From that time, Jesus began to teach, repent, change your thinking, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, change your thinking, because there's now a reality right here, right now, that if your shifting does not think, you, you, if your thinking does not shift, you will be unable to apprehend that reality. Then they asked him this question in John 6. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? So they're focused on doing stuff, and here's what his focus is. Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. That you believe in him who sent. Again, he's talking about belief system. Tells the woman, did I say to you, if you what, would believe, you would see the glory of God. So he's constantly moving people to this place to understand that their behavior and how their world is governed is not governed necessarily by what they're doing, but what they're believing. Mark 16, and these signs will follow those, have, those who believe, those who trust, interchangeable there. So 
How do you do the works of God? He tells you to believe correctly. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So he points to this belief system. And I want to look here as we land the plane here tonight, some keys to living by revelation, really simple that I've learned Number one is the power of intentional choice. There's a power in intentionally choosing. Look at uh, Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter. Verse 11. For this command, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is near you in your mouth. And where does he say? In your heart that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In what I command you today, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, to keep his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. And then he goes, obviously, and, and begins to talk about what happens if they do not obey. But notice he puts the power of choice. Obviously, if you're in Christ, you're in this. This is applicable to you. But he says he puts the power of choice inside of them. And I've learned that you have to make these intentional decisions. Everything, God is extremely intentional. You're here tonight because you're intentional. You're, you, are, you are doing things because you've made the choice to do them. And so in this, in, in this intentionality, as God is intentional towards you, he requires us to be intentional towards him. And what do we, it's, it's a really simple choices we make. In making a choice to live by the word of God, we are required to uh, shift our belief system to become childlike. In living as a child, we must become a theologian of the nature of God and his gracious intentions towards us. When we choose, we, we, we choose, we make this choice. Every day I make it, Lord, today I will live by the word of God. Lord, today I will live by the preceding voice of God. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm yours to command. That's when it gets fun. Yes, that's right. But you'll notice that is just the base place of discipleship. Many years ago, um, I was uh, I had a conversation uh, with a wonderful man, and he's he's got amazing apostolic ministry, and he's planted churches all over South America, and seen the dead raise all this wonderful stuff. And so I asked him, I said, why why do you think maybe in mass we don't see what you're seeing? Uh, on the mission fields, and he, he didn't he didn't pause for a moment. He just oh that's really simple. He said, in the Western Church, week after week, they're trying to convince people to do the foundation part of connecting with God, and that's surrender everything. Yep. Yep. He goes, our people know that the that to come into the kingdom, they have to surrender everything. But I connect surrender and then learning to see the Lord with this because it is very difficult 
to trust a God that you do not know by experience. Psalm 37. Everybody still with me? No, I've gone a while. Okay, I got no one with me, but I'm going to keep going. (laughs) Verse 3, trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. He will bring forth righteousness as a light and your justice as the noonday. I've learned that part of submitting myself to God is also learning to think like a child and finding my highest delight in Him. Because as I walk with Him, I have these experiences. I have these experiences in His love and His kindness and His goodness that causes me to have a deep experience with the nature of God that causes me to want to trust God in a greater dimension. And it causes me to see myself correctly in who he's created me to be. That's why I, I think, I'm convinced, that probably one of the reasons why the body of Christ has received so much teaching on identity and stuff is because if, if we fail to see ourselves as God sees us, we will never receive what he wants to give us. And because often a religious spirit just like makes people just think they're horrible people, you know? You're horrible, like, beat me, Lord, beat me. No, he doesn't want to beat you, he wants to bless you. <laughs> so, just beat me, I'll sacrifice for you. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, that's not what he wants to do. There is a surrender, but he doesn't want to beat you, you know. (laughs) I'm a horrible person, Lord. I'm worthy of nothing, you know. Matthew 18. At the time, the disciples came to him saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Who then is the greatest? And this is fascinating to me because he doesn't like rebuke the question. He's like, horrible question. (laughs) It's amazing to me that all these guys were convinced they were like amazing when they were around Jesus. They all had these flaws. They all like failed the final exam of the Jesus Christ School of Ministry. But it's like being around Jesus, they're like, we're somebody. Like, we're, we got it together, you know. And it's like, as they walk with him, he would point out all the areas they didn't have it together. So notice, too, they forsake all, but it's only in the context of walking with him that they discover how dysfunctional they are. It's like, we're all in. And then they're like, you know, like he's like constantly, you know, like shifting them and changing them. And then, you know, it, I, it's kind of funny because I just think about it when I work with certain people and not you. <laughs> but like I, 
in some small way you can identify with Jesus. He's like, guys, my kingdom's not of this world. Peter, you're, you're not going to be in my, we're not starting a new government or anything. Got it, boss. Can I sit at your right hand? <laughs> I think the encouragement there is that, like, sometimes as we walk with the Lord, you're like, man, I just, I, I need some upgrade in my thinking here, right? Really did that in the wrong way. It's just, just stay on that path. It's this encouragement to stay this on this path. Be open to adjusting and changing. The, the, the worst, the worst, uh, one of the worst positions you can be as a disciple is to be unteachable and let no one speak into your life. And I'm convinced the more I walk with the Lord, that which is, uh, called to bring you deliverance, the enemy will try and get you irritated at it. Jesus called a little child and set him in the midst. And as surely I say to you, unless you are converted, notice he uses that word conversion, and became as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child, notice it's actually this action part on your part, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. It's interesting with children, right? That's, that's why I've learned, like, as you're walking with him, you encounter him, and you have these moments, you're like, whoa, you're like really big and I'm really small, so I need you. Please help me. <laughs> 